Jesus, there is none like you. We lift up your name. You are a glorious and a holy God whom we celebrate, worship, honor, and desire. Father, so we seek you. We look to you. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. We thank you for the grace that has been poured out to us by the basis of your love. We thank you, oh God, for the miracles that you've done, for the things that we've wanted that you kept us from, for the things that you know are best for us, for the pains that you've inflicted because your wounds are good. God, you are a great and holy God and we worship you in all things. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do that more consistently. Worship you in all things. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It was about the time that the passion of the Christ had come out. Do you remember when that was? I had to speak about worship. In fact, it was on this very stage in this very room. As I was speaking on worship, I told the congregation, true story, this, everything I'm going to tell you, is, this is a true story. I came to the congregation and I said, uh, I was at a restaurant. Mel Gibson came in. Walked to, some of you remember this story. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, Mel Gibson came in. I went over, bodyguards all around and went over and uh, told him how there had been people in our congregation who had received Christ after being convicted by watching the passion of the Christ. Well, um, I told him that, you know, we were very grateful and gave him my card and said it would be unbelievable if you could just come here and, and be here for three minutes, tell our congregation they'd be really encouraged. I guarantee you they'll go watch a movie again. Um, and so, you know, he said, well, he's very busy and he blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, if you can make it, that's wonderful. So I'm going and I'm preaching on worship. And I'm trying to communicate to people about the beauty of worship and, and, and the power and the majesty because that's our king. He's our king and he's glorious. And he doesn't just deserve a nod. He deserves our worship. He doesn't deserve just our appreciation. He deserves us going out of our minds for his glory because he's wonderful. He's not a concept. He's a person. And he sacrificed much to have relationship with us. He deserves our worship. Well, uh, the bell rings. Anybody knows that if there's any interruptions in our service, and infuriates me because I believe that Holy Spirit is moving and it's one of Satan's devices to have uh, um, uh, uh, interruptions throughout the service. The bell rings. Louisa knows this about me. She runs upstairs, comes back down through that very door, walks up the, that steps, whispers in my ear, he's here. <laughs> we were expecting him, so we had a spotlight placed right there. You can't see the exit door right there, but we had a spotlight right where the drums were. And we placed it, and we had a screen that came down here, and, and, we, and, and it was, you know, we, we were ready for this, because I was like, man, if we were only going to get one shot. And so, and I was like, well, you know, the Mad Max of, the, and I told him the story that I just told you, and then I said, the Mad Max of Thunderdome, the man with the passion for the Christ, the road warrior himself, <laughs> Mel Gibson. And the lights went down, the, the spotlight came on, and the doors flew open, and people lost their minds. <laughs> Women jumped. I'm talking about like they jumped on the chairs, like, ah! 
ah! Like, formerly people with back problems didn't care. They were like, ah! I was sure underwear was gonna be thrown this way. And then I walked through that door, and I walked out there, and everybody's like, you're not Mel Gibson. And I said, now that's worship. Now, the story that I told you was not true. I didn't meet Mel Gibson. I never saw him in a restaurant. In fact, I'm so ghetto, the restaurant that I picked back then was Applebee's. Like, right? Because I thought that was like a real nice restaurant. No, 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 it was the Olive, the Olive Garden. That was the one, that was the one. It was the Olive Garden. That's how ghetto I am, okay? I thought that was, that was the nicest restaurant I could think of. But what I noticed is that I didn't have to stir anybody up. What I noticed is I didn't have to get anybody excited. I didn't have to put on a guitar. We didn't have to have a rock concert. The singers didn't have to sing in perfect key. Worship happened naturally. Because let me tell you something that I know about you and something that I know about me. You and I were born to worship. The question isn't, are you a worshiper? The question is, what do you worship? So we're in this series and simply called God. And he's, I'm telling you, listen to me, he's sweeter than honey. He's more dependable than a brother. He's more loving than a spouse. He's, listen to me, he's more tender than a child, more terrible than a hurricane. He is a great and mighty king, and he's worthy of your worship. And in this series, what we've been trying to do is trying to see God in who he is and not just who we want him to be. And so we've talked about God being father and friend and lover, and I, and I just encourage you, if you wanna know more about that, we have the series online, and you can go either to the, to the uh, website or to the, um, the audio thing, the iTunes, it's a podcast. You can go to the podcast, and you can check it out, but here's, listen to me. Today we're gonna look at God as our king, and it demands something, a response from us. If we see God in any other way than in his, total, in his totality, totality, what's going to happen is, beautiful, beautiful, listen to me, what's going to happen is, is you're not going to see God. You're going to see a, a shadow of God. You're going to see a caricature of God, but you're not going to see God truly. This God will never will never have you leave the thing that you love the most for the one that loves you the most. This God will never be able to change your heart. Maybe he'll change your dress. Maybe he'll change your speech. But he'll never change your heart. You see, we need to see God in his totality, in all that he is. But the fact is, is that we will, when we see God as he is, we will worship and all the contradictions that we fight with, all the, you know, we, we, we'll see God as a king, one who's worthy of praise, and we'll also see him as a friend, one who helps us counsel through our difficulties. We'll see him as a lover, one who stays close and intimate during our most painful times. We'll see him as a father who both instructs and corrects. We'll see him that way. And that will transform us that 
When that happens, beloved, when that happens, there are no second places. It's only Jesus. He overwhelms. We do not have a problem with worship. The only question is not will we worship, but what will we worship? Now, God knows that you and I are going to worship something. God knows that you and I are going to bow the knee. God knows, and when I say worship, what I mean is God knows that you and I are going to have things that run our lives. For some of us, it's our appetite. It changes the way we think about ourselves. It changes the clothes that we wear. It changes how we view ourselves. It's our appetite. For some of us, it's alcohol. It changes the way we treat people. It changes how we function in our day. For some of us, it's pornography. It changes the way we interact with our spouse. It changes the way we deal with other people of the opposite sex or the same sex, depending on how you fold. There is a worship that goes on in your soul. And that worship will change and direct your life. And if the thing that you base all of your hope on is something other than Jesus, you will be devastated when it's gone. You will be crushed. For some of us, it's really good things, like children. You know what happens? Have you ever seen a parent who puts all their hopes and dreams on their child? Have you ever seen, nobody wants to be around that kid. Isn't it true? Nobody wants to be around that kid. That's a tough kid to be around. God knows that you and I are going to worship. He knows that you and I are going to give ourselves to something. He knows that you and I are going to look to find our hope in something other than him. And he says, I got to remind you, I got to remind you, I got to remind you. And so over and over again, he reminds us in his word. And we're going to look at of one particular psalm, Psalm 99. He's our king, and he's worthy of our worship. If you go to Psalm 99, now here's, there's three ways you can get to this psalm. One is if you have your Bible, you can open it up. It's really important if you, that you bring your Bible. You carry around your Bible. Why? Because you want to start reading your Bible. You want your Bible to be a part of you. But when I first came to church and then I eventually came to Christ, I didn't carry a Bible with me. It's not something I had around. So what we did is in your bulletin, we put the scriptures there. But we realize that not all of y'all are spring chickens. And so we put the words on the screen so you could have the 40 font so that you could see it for those of you who are getting a little bit older. Three ways you can look at the scriptures. Now, one of the, one of the traditions that we have is to stand during the reading of God's word. The reason is, it's because we want to be reminded that God is holy, perfect, and pure. That his word is timeless. His word is perfect. His word is beyond us. And wonderful. And so we'll read this word together. It's an entire chapter, but I want you to read it with a full voice. There is something beautiful here. God is going to tell us that He's our King and that there's a response to His kingship. On the count of three one, two, three. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. 
The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established iniquity in Jacob. You have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and decrees he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Worship does something. When we see God as king, God, there's a million ways I could have taken this sermon because God as king, he's the one who gives decrees, laws, direction. He's the one who's to be obeyed and honored and revered. God is king. But in our world, listen to me, in our world of people with authority issues, this is not appealing. This is not something that's very exciting. The idea of God being our king is not something that jumps up at us. We think that we're a free spirit, that we don't want a king. The only king we want has our name. And we don't want to pursue anything else. But here's what I want to convince you of. You already do. You already have a king that you bow down to. You already have a king that you worship. You already have a king that you obey. You already have a king that you pursue. The question is, have you named them? Or are they anonymous? Have they stayed under the radar? But you are a worshiper. It's the thing that you do. It's the thing that you do. The thing that you pursue the thing that you bow down to. You are a worshiper. When I see a young lady who comes into our congregation and she comes in and she does really well, she's serving Christ, she's living for him, she's surrendered and seeking his face, honoring him and knowing him, and she falls in love with him. And then you know what happens, right? She meets a boy. She meets a boy and listen to me. There's a choice between worshiping at that boy's altar. There's a choice between going into his holy of holies, his bedroom, and worshiping at his feet, or choosing Jesus and worshiping at his feet. And more times than not, what I see is worship going to the boy. For some of us, for some of us, we simply are bitter and angry, and that's what we worship. And we bow and obey. You call it, oh, I have anger issues. No, you don't. You have worship issues. Some of you think you have alcohol problems. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm just, you know, I, I, I have alcohol. No, you don't. You have a worship problem. Here's, here's how it works. You look to alcohol 
for your saving. Your savior is your alcohol. See, Jesus won't bring you peace. Jesus won't bring you uh, encouragement. Jesus won't calm your nerves. Only Michelob will. Only Budweiser will. See, you don't have an alcohol problem. You have a worship problem. Some of you think that you get on the internet and you have a pornography. L -l Beloved, listen to me. You don't have a pornography problem. You have a worship problem. Because the thing that's going to excite you, the thing that's going to validate you, the thing that's going to give you, make you feel like a man or, you know, make you feel like a woman or make you feel loved and tender. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's not Jesus. It's this image. Listen. You don't have a greed problem. You have a worship problem. Because the thing that gives you security, and here's how I know, they tell me this all the time. Well, of course I have to do this, and of course I have to sacrifice, and of course I can't go to church because I gotta make this money, and I gotta, you know, is Jesus gonna pay my bills? And I just, and, I just, and I've never said this, and I think I'm going to from now on. I go, who do you think been paying your bills thus far? You think it's been you? You think it's, you think you're the one who's managed that? Who gave you, no, 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 you, you go, oh, no, 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 it's my intellect. I, God has gifted me with this personality and this intellect. I go, well, who gave you that, sweetie? Who gave you that? Who gave you the strength? Who gave you the ability to earn finances? You see, you don't have a greed problem. You have a worship problem. Some of you, listen to me, some of you, if anyone does anything slightly off-center, of doing exactly what you want. You go out of your mind. Let me tell you something, you're not just self-centered. You got a worship problem. And as long as you're on the throne, as long as the finances is on the throne, as long as the images are on the throne, as long as the alcohol is on the throne, as long as the drug is on the throne, as long as that's on the throne, you will continue pursuing, continue giving yourself, continue tithing your life to your God. And there are millions of gods out there all of which promise the world but don't deliver a block, all of which demand but give nothing back, all of which require but never recompense. Because in the end, the king, the one that you worship as king, or rather, the kingship will lead to worship. The kingship in your life will lead to worship. The question is, who's your king? The Lord reigns, verse 1 in Psalm 99 says, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. What this is saying is God is no joke. God is awesome. He's, uh, the, the author of this particular psalm is saying, listen, I want you to think about God. Now, they have some images. What, what they're saying, really, is that the Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. In other words, God is holy. He's fierce. He's someone to be feared and kept in awe of. I know when I say fear, you go, oh, no, I don't like that because, you know, we think of a, an abusive dad or we think of an abusive person. No, no, no. I'm saying God is fierce. He's to be feared like a like a waterfall is to be feared. If you've ever, if you've ever stood uh, by Niagara Falls and you took that little ship, the little boat that they take to go to the, you know that thing is 
awesome. That thing is awesome. It's to be feared. Nobody takes the boat totally in the waterfall, right? It's fierce. You, can, you look at it and you're just amazed by it. If you ever go to the Grand Canyon, you look at it and you're like, this is awesome. They, they, you stand a little bit farther back because this is awesome. God is to be feared. He's to be reverenced. He's amazing. Verse 2 says, great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. That means nobody has supremacy over God. God is supreme. And then the response. Three times, three times in this one chapter, it tells you how to respond to a king. He says, let them praise your great name, your great and awesome name. He is holy. God is holy. He's other than. He's worthy of worship and worthy of praise. He's worthy to be lifted high. And that demands our worship. That calls us to worship, lift up our hands, to exalt him, to our hearts, to be inflamed with love. He's our king. Verse 4 says, the king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. God establishes. So, see, God's a king. And so when you're a king, you get to establish laws and rules. And you go, but I don't like that law. I think I should be able to do what I want. And God says, no, 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 you don't understand the, the, the principle. The principle is that I'm the king and that you're the subject. You go, but, but I don't like that. You know, I, I, I want a partnership. Yeah, uh. You, you don't get it. It would be like, listen to me. It would be, it would be like asking a hurricane for a partnership. There's absolutely nothing you can offer. God is fierce. And when God, listen to me, when God creates laws and rules, he doesn't do them because he's a wet blanket and he wants to harm you and he wants to take away your fun. And I know some of you actually believe that. And you ignore the years and the decades worth of evidence that your ways doesn't work. You ignore the years and the evidence that your way only gets you more pain and wanting to commit suicide and listening to old R&B songs and, and, and doing it. Why, 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 why? Because listen, here's what God knows. God knows when, listen to me, when God places a law, you and I think we break the law. What you and I don't understand is that we don't break God's laws. We break under God's laws. That when you and I try to, we go, oh, well, I'm not going to do it. And you, no, 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 you don't understand. You think you're going to break God's law. You think that sex outside of marriage is not going to have consequences. And then you know what happens, right? You break under God's law. It devastates you. It leaves you lonely. You go, I'm not going to do sex God's way. I'm going to do sex my way because, you know, that's old book. And, and you know, it, 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 and so you look at that and you go, well, that's not really for me. And what you don't understand is that you break. You become a hollow person. You, there's something that dies inside. God has rules and laws like any good parent would have a rule or a law for protection and for joy. I love when my son and I look out the window, but he's not allowed to do that by himself. You understand, he's only 18 months. He doesn't understand the concept of depth. He'll reach out 
and fall out and harm himself. Now, if my son could talk, and he can't just yet, but if my son could talk, he would, he would look to me and says, God, uh, he would say, Bobby, it's like you're a cruel king. And I would say, really, how so? He says, well, you give me the opportunity. You give me the desire. You give me this great world to look out from, but you won't allow me to go close enough to see it all. And I go, beloved, listen to me. You can only do that in my hands because you'll be seeing a lot more than you want if I let you go on your own. See, because he's a king. He knows better. The laws and decrees that God states and places in place are for your joy, not for your oppression. God is a king. And, and look at what the response should be in verse 5. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. You know why? Because we respond to God's kingship with worship. It is the response of the heart of the person who's in relationship with God. We respond to God being our king by worshiping that king. And you have a million opportunities. I'm going to give you some examples in just a few minutes. But you have a million opportunities to worship God. Six. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel were among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes, the decrees that he gave them. Moses and Aaron, he reaches, the psalmist reaches back, way back when it says, remember, remember. God has done great things in the past. God still speaks. So he's, first he's spoken about how God rules. That was the first few verses. And then he talks about how God lays down laws and is just. And then he says, now God hears and he responds. God speaks. He's not mute. He's not, you're not on your own. You're with one who loves and responds to you. You go, I don't know how to be a husband. Talk to him about it. You go, I don't know how to be a parent. Good news. He knows how to. I don't know how this dating thing should look like. You know, I want to honor God. That's good. Because he knows. He speaks. And he reminds them that he spoke to Moses and Aaron during the Exodus. And then during Judges, he spoke to Samuel. Samuel called out. Moses called out. Aaron called out. And God would respond to them. He reminds them of that. Verse 8, Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Listen to me. Listen. God is a forgiving God. And if you're here and you've broken God's laws, you've ignored God's rule, you've decided to be your own God or you've worshipped something else, I want you to know that God is a forgiving God. How is it that God could be a forgiving God? Because here it says, though you punished their misdeeds. And he surely did. Whenever you read in the Old Testament, you'll see God's punishment go through. But I just want you to know that those punishments that you see in the Old Testament are a, a shadow, a foreshadowing of the true punishment for our sins that would come. See, the true punishments, God would say, these are my laws, live by them. Now, when you don't live by the law, I'm going to give you a lamb. 
and this lamb will atone for your sin. And then he gave them clues, little crumbs on the road to follow for them to realize that one day the lamb would be God come from heaven to earth and that God the Father would punish sin in the most severe way possible. But he wouldn't do it on you and me. He would do it on the Son. And he would punish the misdeeds of his people on his God the Son. Which is why you and I get to walk around in freedom and joy and celebration and worship. This is why you and I, when we think of God as our king, we don't cringe, we rejoice. And the reason is, is because the one who deserved to punish us took our punishment for us. And we respond to God's kingship with worship. Look at verse 9. It says the same thing. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. So, listen to me. How do we worship? How do we do this on a daily basis? Well, here's the thing. We don't. We don't. The fact is, is that when you and I have options to worship God or worship something else, to obey God or obey something else, to pursue God or pursue something else, we simply do not which is why I would commend to you, Jesus. You can't change. You can't do this. Listen to me. There are things that are so deep in your heart that if I tried to poke at them right now, you would leave. For some, listen to me. For some of you, it's the way you handle your money. You'd leave if I started to talk to you about that. For some of you, for some of you, it's your sexuality. That's the thing. Your sexuality defines you, not Christ. You'd leave. That's the thing. For some of you, it's the bitterness that you have, the harm that's been done to you. That's the thing for you. For some of you, it's your appetite. You'd leave. If I started to poke my finger at it, you would tell me, you wouldn't say it in these words, but you would say, hey, Edwin, back off of my God. Because we all worship. So how does this look in real life? Well, it looks like this. So you're a single person. You're a single person, and, and you know, the person who, you know, whatever, if, right? If you're looking for the guy, he's the guy who's driving that car that suggests that he has a lot of money. And if you're looking for a girl, she's the girl who, you know, looks that way and, and, and dresses that way. And so they come to you. As they, as they come to you, you have an option, you realize after a few minutes of conversation, you realize they're not in Christ. They have no desire for Christ. They're only going to pull you away from Christ. And you have an option. You have a choice right there. Who are you going to worship? Who will you worship? See, because you don't have a decision to make between being good or not good. You don't have a decision to make between being obedient or disobedient. You have a decision to make about who will you worship. Will you worship the idol? Or will you worship God? Listen to me. That's your option. And so if you're single and you have that option, you go, and you go to yourself, you lie to yourself, and you say, well, I'll bring them to church. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. If you want to be an, a missionary, go to China. <laughs> Don't do that in dating. It doesn't work well. 
I, I mean, I, I, could give you, I could give you examples in HD. That does not work well. You know what happens, right? The person comes to church for as long as, you know, they get, until they get what they want, and sometimes it's a wedding ring, and sometimes it's sex, and sometimes it's whatever, your commitment, and then they stop coming, and now you're in a real bind. That's if you're single. What about if you're at work? If you're at work and, you know, the, the boss is laying people off and what do you do? Oh, no. You do what everybody else does. You start cutting people's throats because you got to keep this job because the fact is if you don't keep this job, you're going to, everything is lost. You know why? Because your God is, and your security is found in your job. It's found in the money that you make. Even now, as I speak about job, you're arguing with me. Well, then, well, then how am I going to pay for my kids? You're going to pay for my hot light bills? You're arguing with me. And the reason is because I just poked at your God. So you're not going to be cutthroat. You know why? Because you go, wait, Jesus, you've taken care of me all my life. And I'm so grateful. This paycheck doesn't get signed by the owner of this company. This paycheck is signed by you. You have provided for me. You have given me all that I need. Oh, Lord, thank you. And so when you get your check, you're not more grateful to your company, although you are grateful that God has used them to provide for you. You're grateful to Jesus because that's our king. And so you're not going to connive, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to go all, uh, you know, uh, uh, you're not going to go all crazy and cutthroat and go all survivor on them. You're not going to make allegiances and alliances and things like that. What you're going to do is you're going to go, God, you gave me this job, you kept this job, you've allowed me to hold on to this job. Thank you for this job. But if you have a better job for me or if you have something else to teach me, and I'm all ears, and you worship. What about in your marriage? Well, in your marriage, see, if your spouse is your God, here's what happens. If they in any way, if you in any way believe that they are displeased with you, it brings a reaction from you that's difficult to explain. If, in other words, if I believe, and boy, the voice of experience is, is speaking right now. I've done this with my, I've made my wife my idol so many times. That my manhood is found in her. That, my, that I'm good enough if she thinks I'm good enough. That I'm worthy enough if she thinks I'm worthy. If she's a, you know that silly t-shirt um, that, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic, fantastic t-shirt of idolatry. See, because all of my joy, all of my hope, all of my life is bound up in her approval of me. I'm not looking for the approval of God. I'm looking for her approval. And so when she says she's not pleased with me, I go, I lose my mind. And I say, after all I've done and how I've sacrificed, you're appreciated. And I lose my mind and I go all off and I say things that I shouldn't have said. Why? Because that's where my identity is. I tell you, it was a great day. I remember this. It was a great day when I was in front of my wife and she was telling the truth about me. Have you ever had that happen to you? No? Maybe one or two of you? Yeah? You see, you, you, you call it something else. You, oh, she was being mean to me. No, 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 no. She was telling the truth about me. She was absolutely telling the truth. I remember it was, I was going on a retreat 
And uh, right before I went on the retreat, I dropped off my kids, and my wife and I had been having tension. And uh, the Lord said, Edwin, I want you to go back to speak to your wife. And I said, but Lord, I want to go to the retreat and hear from you. And at that point, I was like crickets, right? It was like, cree, 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 cree. (laughs) Dude, what did I just do? I just spoke to you. Go to your stupid wife. I mean, just what are you doing? You know, go to your wife. And so I was like, okay, you're right. That's obvious. So I go to my wife. I bought her breakfast, and I came back, and I, I sat with her, and she told me the truth about me. She told me how I was selfish, and I didn't consider her, and how I didn't listen to her much until it, until it benefited me. And how I was all about what I wanted to do and what my calling in life was, but how when, I was, when it came to what she desired or what she longed for, how I was absent for those things. And I can't tell you how much joy I felt in that moment. It's hard to describe the joy that I felt in that moment. Because even as she was talking, I was experiencing worship. I was like, God, that would have devastated me if she was my God. If you were this displeased with me, I would be devastated. But I was able to go, please tell me some more. I want to hear your heart. I don't want to just skirt over this. I I too often just hear this and then just move on and go, okay, I've done my job. I'm a good husband, but I have a knot in my stomach. I hate life and I hate the person who told me. No, 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 tell me more. You, You have deeper emotions than this. There's something going on deeper than this. And I could experience deep and abiding worship. Why? Because she wasn't my king. He was my king. She wasn't my identity. He's my identity. She wasn't where I found my value and worth. He was. Beloved, who your king is will determine where your worship goes. This week, you're going to have the opportunity to worship. Could you imagine? What will happen? What will happen if worship, if you see Jesus as your king and you worship? Let me tell you what will happen. When everybody's nervous and anxious at work because the numbers haven't come to the right place, you're going to be at peace. You know why? Because that's not your God. Even if the business goes down, who cares? Even if all that you've worked for collapses, who cares? Listen, I love this church with all my heart. I plan on, give, I plan on giving my whole life to this church. But if, if some scandal happens and somebody leaves and, you know, all this other stuff and everybody leaves after that and no one's here, my identity is not in being pastor. My identity is being child of the king. See, if that's your identity then you'll argue better. Imagine how how you would argue if this is true. If God was your king and you worshiped, you'd argue better. You'd look at, listen, students, you'd look at tests differently. You would say, that's not my identity, that's God. You would say, when, when finances are low, you would say, God, you're so worthy of being praised. Thank you for providing and thank you for paying and thank you for doing all these crazy things. If your marriage is not going well, or if your singleness, you've been single for a long, long time, and you go, man, thank you, God. Thank you that I, am mar- I already have the perfect marriage. You've married me. 
and you love me and you'll never leave, never forsake in sickness and in health till even death we won't part. See, because God is our king and that leads us to worship. Beloved, if in fact God is your king and you worship him, it will change everything. The way you view yourself, when your hair starts receding, when your waistline starts expanding, you'll go, that's not, that's not my identity. That's not where my identity lies. God, thank you for the body that you've given me. Thank you for the hair that I had. <laughs> Some of you get to thank God a little bit more for that than others. Thank you because it leads to worship, because every, every good and perfect gift comes from you, and your kingship deserves my worship. I pray that that's your story. I pray that you would see God as father, friend, lover, and king. I pray that that would lead you to worship, and that you would grow in love with him, even when everything else goes to blazes. Next week, Pastor Gus is going to uh, be teaching us uh, from God's word. And then the week after that, I'm going to start a brand new series. And it's going to be called, listen to me, In the Waiting Room. In the Waiting Room. Have you ever been in a circumstance in your life where God shuts the door on something that you really, really wanted? And then he hasn't opened the door to any other options? Not next week, but the week after that. Next week, you've got to come. You've got to come because we, we are blessed to have one of the best communicators in Brooklyn to be able to proclaim God's word to all of us. So you've got to come and you've got to invite your friends. And then on the week after that, you've got to come because we're going to start a brand new series. And it's going to, listen to me, what do you do when you're in the in-between place? What do you do when one door has closed and the other door hasn't opened? What do you do when you're in the hallway? We're going to spend a bunch of weeks on how to do But let me tell you something. It's going to be an outflow of what we just learned here. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to recognize that God is Father. He corrects and he loves and provides. He's a friend. He's with us and counsels us. And even when you feel alone and you feel lonely, he'll never leave. He's a lover. He's intimate with us and knows us in the deepest place. And he's our king who's worthy of our worship and our praise. When you see God in that way, that'll give you the basis of how to survive your waiting room. I hope to see you there. Let's pray. Stand with me. Father, I thank you for being our king. Lord, I pray that we would celebrate that, that we would rejoice in the fact that you're our king. Lord, we know that other kings, other gods will tug at our soul. We know that other things will pursue our desires. 
Lord, I pray, I pray, oh God, Lord, I, oh Lord, you know how much I want approval. You know how many times I bow down to that God. You know how much I bow down to others' acceptance of me. You know how much I long for to be famed myself, to be honored myself. Lord, when that happens this week, would you remind me that you're a far better person to worship than I am? Lord, would you remind us, Lord, that our identity doesn't come from what sex we enjoy. Our identity doesn't come from the person we married. Our identity doesn't come from the finances we make or the career that we have. Our identity doesn't come from the pleasures we pursue. Our identity comes from being the child of the king. And Lord, remind us that you can be all of this to us because Jesus died for us. That when we fail in worshiping you, that Christ has died for us so that we might live for you. Help us to see you as beautiful and wonderful. Help us to see Jesus as the one who made this all possible. And help us to worship with grateful hearts because you have done much for us. We thank you, O oh God, for we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.